Support for today's Heat Treat Radio episode is provided by Heat Treat Bootcamp. Find out how to enroll in this basic training at www.heattreattoday.com forward slash bootcamp. Welcome to Heat Treat Radio. Whether you're listening to us or tuning in via video on heattreattoday.com, we're glad to have you. In this Heat Treat Radio episode, we're hearing about a never-before-seen combustion system tuning technology as host and Heat Treat Today publisher Doug Glenn sits down with Justin Zeke manager of business development, and Ben Woodoff, manager of data engineering from Thieves North American to Combustion. Let's hear from the experts as they describe how this system will save time, money, and personnel, and can be adapted to virtually any furnace system. Let's take a listen. This is kind of a new technology that I, I, I mean, I haven't seen it before in the market. We're going to be talking about uh, combustion system tuning, and we have here with us today uh, Justin Zeke from North American Combustion and also Ben Widoff. Uh, Justin is the manager of business development there in Cleveland. Welcome, Justin. And Ben is the manager of data engineering. So we're going to hit on, I think, what's a pretty interesting, pretty interesting uh, new product that you guys are developing. When I first saw about it, first off, it's a great name, which I will mention here in just a minute. Uh, but when I saw what it was, I thought, I have not heard of anything like this before. So I think our listeners and viewers will find it of interest. So the name of the product, just so we don't have to wait too long, is called the Certifier or Certifier. So that's, that's first. But before we get too far into it, Justin, if you don't mind, can you give us just a brief background about you? Absolutely. So uh, as Doug already said, I'm the manager of business development, and I've worked at Thieves for 15 years now. Uh, in various different roles, uh, primarily focused on the forging and heat treat markets, uh, you know, doing uniformity tests. And really, that's kind of why this uh, product is so close to us. Uh, so Fees North American, we're a company that's been around for about 100 years, located in Cleveland, Ohio. And we produce combustion equipment, obviously. Uh, but we also do turnkey systems. We do furnaces, uh, direct fired furnaces, obviously. Uh, for the forge heat treat, but we also supply combustion equipment uh, for pretty much every industry that needs heat, which is quite a bit. Yes, yeah, for sure. And I would like to mention also for those of you who are old timers, somewhat like me, uh, Thieves North American Combustion should be recognizable. The old company name was just uh, North American Manufacturing, I right. believe. They're in the Taj Mahal on what is it, Grant Street or something like that in the, in just south of Cleveland, downtown Cleveland. Right. So yeah, so that's the little bit of the heritage. So Ben, how about you? If you don't mind, give us a, a quick blurb about yourself and your role there. Yeah, sure. Thanks, Doug. Uh, so I've been here just about ten years. My ten year anniversary is going to be uh, next year. Uh, I've worked in various R and D roles since I've been here. Started as a burner designer. Um, worked with FEA CFD modeling, moved into thermal processing engineering. And then uh, just a few years ago, I started the data engineering department here so that we could try to augment our combustion and industrial equipment with sensors, with IoT, with data, with smart engineering, and just to try to take it a step further. So that's what I've been working on here. Yeah. I, you know, in, industry 4.0, IoT, all that stuff is very, very interesting. That's what, that's what caught my attention on this thing. So Justin, without going into detail, Okay, so if someone only watched the first two minutes of this, of this podcast, from a 30,000 foot view, 
what is Certifier and why should people care about it? So the Certifier is, as you already stated, uh, automated tuning device for temperature uniformity certifications. So I think pretty much everybody that's going to watch this podcast is probably going to know that they can be extremely time, uh, you know, extremely, extremely, you know, timely to do, take a lot of time and take a lot of intelligence to actually tune the process. And this device takes all of that uh, and does it all itself. So it does all the automated burner tuning, all the valves adjustments, it locks it all in and tunes it for whatever class uniformity you really need. Yeah. And that, and I did want to hit on that too, because we're talking about trying to tune a furnace, tune the combustion system on a furnace so that that furnace is running first off optimally, not wasting energy. Correct. But also we're talking about trying to make that, that system uh, uniform, trying to make the work zone uniform inside that furnace. So Again, most people will already know this, but it's always good to hit on some basics here because there may be people listening that don't know some of the basics. Why is this work zone uniformity, the inside, the area inside the furnace, why is it important that it be uniform? And then if you can, maybe hit on uh, what we mean when we say furnace classifications. Sure. So uh, obviously it's important because uh, the parts that are going into these furnaces can be used for a variety of applications, like everybody knows. Um, aerospace being a primary, uh, primary part class that's going in. And because of that and the metallurgy required, uh, everything needs to be within a certain temperature band in order to get the same you know, metallurgical properties after they forge it or heat treat it or whatever. So, um, it's extremely important to make that work zone as tight as possible and as consistent as possible. And as we can all imagine, uh, you know, having a work zone about three, four feet away from a fire, uh, essentially a live fire coming out of a burner is extremely difficult. Um, so uh, as you said already, there's classification, there's different uh, codes that, that govern uh, the, the work zone classifications like AMS 2750 uh, revision F is obviously the most recent one. Rolls-Royce has their own, uh, pretty much all the aerospace suppliers have theirs. So the classifications uh, really govern how tight the uniformity band has to be in that work zone. So there's class one, which is basically plus or minus five degrees Fahrenheit anywhere in that work zone. And it goes all the way up to class six, which is plus or minus 50. So much more lenient. Uh, obviously class one is yeah. the hardest, probably all heat treat stuff. Class six is probably some heavy forgings. Yeah, yeah. So, so as we move up the furnace classifications, as we move up from going plus or minus five up to plus or minus 50, which might as well not even have a furnace classification for that, right? <laughs> you, at the lower classifications are where it's really critical that, uh, that any type of heating source, whether it be electric heating elements or combustion, be, be well-tuned because you want the, the whole entire, uh, you want that whole entire section to be, the whole entire work zone to be uh, uniform. So, okay. So, but we're talking specifically about combustion tuning. How typically, and Justin, I'll address this one to you and then Ben, hold on, we're coming to you next question, I think. So <laughs> once we, how have combustion systems typically been tuned in the past? In fact, I would say probably what, 99% of them are still tuned even now. And what are some of the major issues that we run into in the way we're currently doing it. Yeah, so 
Uh, obviously, there's a variety of complexity of systems out there. Uh, you know, there's furnace is still an operation that we put in in 1960. So the amount of valves they have on there, they're probably more manual valves. So there's a lot of manual tweaking of things going on right at the burner. Uh, the more advanced systems out to today have automated valves, but you're still doing manual adjustments in a PLC probably that you're trying to tweak. And I think everybody knows, and I think Ben really likes to use this statement, it's, it's a game of whack-a-mole. You adjust a burner here and it goes out <laughs> of compliance over here and you run over there. I mean, I've been on hundreds of surveys where I'm running across the furnace uh, trying to, to watch my temperature map that I have in my hand. And it, it can get very tedious um, and it takes a lot of know-how and a lot of experience to, I believe, tune these furnaces. There is, I, I suppose, to a certain extent, there's an art to it now very much dependent, I'm guessing, on, on your specific furnace, your specific burner, uh, your specific burner configuration, and what mode of combustion you're using, whether it's pulse fire or, or whatever, yeah, right? Absolutely. All of those, all of those things are, are the art of combustion. Kind of takes us back to that Kind of takes us back to that black art that we that heat treaters are trying to avoid, right? Where really you kind of got to figure it out uh, each one individually. So certifier is basically going to help us eliminate that. So Ben, if you don't mind, certifier, how, how does it work? How does it work? And why is it better? And what kind of results do you think we can get uh, in the sense of amount of time spent trying to tune a system and uniformity. Sure, yeah, so uh, as Justin mentioned, I loved using that term whack-a-mole. Um, I think it's it's a great way to describe it. It's a great way for people to understand, you know, you bop down one of those thermocouples, you get it in to the right temperature, and then the next one popped right back out. And the reason that happens is because these furnaces are nonlinear systems. When you look at the inputs and you look at the outputs and you try to model it just from a purely physics or mathematical perspective, it's not something that can be tuned linearly. You can't just adjust a valve and then adjust the second valve and expect all the adjustments from the first one to carry over. You're constantly throwing one thing out of whack when you bring another thing in. So, and then you also touched on this with your other question. There's so many other factors that affect the uniformity of the furnace. If we built five identical furnaces in our factory and got all the burners set up identical and we shipped them out to five different locations, they'd all be different, completely different because it's the humidity on that day, it's the temperature, it's the elevation that it's installed, it's whether or not the facility is indoors or they have their garage doors up. You know, there's so many different factors that affect it. It's the humidity when we mix the refractory on that day that affects it. So hmm. it, it, you can't just you know tune it and forget about it, ship it off. So it needs to be done on site. And today it's kind of that art. It's someone that's highly trained. They have years of experience to do it. And you know they're the furnace whisperer. They can you know, figure out exactly how they get those systems into tune. Yeah. So what we did is we took a step back and we said, you know, how can we try to approach this mathematically? So first thing that we identified is we cannot be adjusting one at a time. You don't adjust burner one and then look at the temperature readout and then adjust burner two. We can't do it that way. So we said, we have to figure out how we can model that 3D space, those inputs and those outputs and that relationship between them. And that's the, the fundamental nature of what the certifier does. So we use this phrase response matrix, and this is the way that okay. we've created this, you call it like a virtual map of the furnace. It maps all the inputs, those burner, those heat sources to all the outputs, those thermocouples in the work zone, that temperature measurement point. And what we do is we go through this training phase for every furnace where we 
modulate our burners, we change the firing rate in a known way for all of the burners, and then we measure exactly how those temperatures of those thermocouples in the work zone change. And the way that they change, the speed at which they react, the amount of time it takes to heat up and cool down, and the exact you know, 3D map of where those thermocouples are and how they react to each burner and where those burners are is what this response matrix is. And the beautiful thing about the math behind it is you can solve the equation forwards or backwards. So it's easy to modulate a burner. It's an independent variable. You can tell it exactly where to be. And then you don't know where the temperature is going to be, but you can measure it once you modulate that burner. So that's our equation. We build the forward equation. And then the beauty of the certifier is we just flip it backwards. We solve, we solve it the other way. We say, where are all our thermocouples today? What's our survey temperature? All right, well, this one's you know five degrees hot. This one's 20 degrees cold. So you have all of your delta Ts. And then you say, well, if this is my array of delta Ts, then divide by the response matrix, what's my array of delta burner adjustments? So it solves for all the burners simultaneously, takes all the adjustments into account, gets rid of that whole whack-a-mole game. And it tells you burners one through however many you have need to be adjusted X percent up, X percent down. You do the adjustments, it looks at it, says, is it good enough? If not, make another adjustment. Yeah, yeah. Very interesting. Very interesting. So, so this is all done through algorithms and things of that sort, I assume, huh? The secret sauce. Right, exactly. So it's, it's a, some fairly simple math, but it's a, this matrix math where we're trying to model you know, multiple inputs and multiple outputs. And we're trying to map N inputs yeah. to M outputs. So it's not necessarily linear still, but we're making these linear approximations for a nonlinear system. Okay, so I want to I create a persona for you and ask you a question about about the capabilities a little bit so i'm a i'm a person who owns a you know class four five or six furnace it's not all that precise right plus 15 plus minus 15 or upwards it's, it's an older system right i've got old burners on there i've got old valving on there uh what do in order to use the the certifier do i need to update those burners and or valving so that it can be precisely precisely tuned or it does the certifier work on you know you name it any type of uh, any type of current combustion system uh, Ben why don't we go to you on that sure uh, so I guess I'd say yes and no and I'll, I'll get into the details on that because it can be kind of a confusing or irritating answer um, yes I'll start with that because the fundamental algorithm really doesn't care that it's a furnace at all, doesn't care that it's a cube, doesn't care that there's X number of burners or whatever dimension. The fundamental algorithm is simply that you map inputs to outputs and they could be any different size. They don't have to be the same size. And then it allows you to solve it backwards. So the fundamental algorithm, the, the piece that is the heart of the certifier can absolutely work on that furnace. Um, the reason I said no is because the first piece of technology we're trying to tackle with the certifier is a more advanced PLC controlled system. So the way that we do tuning today is we use uh, bleed valves, actuated bleed valves per burner on our furnaces so that we can make that fine tuning automatically through a PLC adjustment. So because the PLC can control those actuated bleed valves per burner, it's really simple for a device to just simply plug in with the data cable and then immediately take over the furnace and make these adjustments automatically at the push of a button. So that's the first tier of furnace technology that we're trying to tackle, that we're trying to release a product for. And what we're working on after that tier, our lower tiers, are furnaces where customers 
are wanting to retrofit to a bleed belt system. And then finally, after that, our customers that are unwilling or un don't want to upgrade, Un upgrade to that retrofit system. Because no matter how you make that adjustment, the easiest way is a bleed valve if you already have it. But no matter how you make it, if it's a limiting orifice valve and it's a technician with a screwdriver in his hand, it's the same algorithm. The only difference would be the certifier HMI, you know, maybe it prints out a sheet of paper that the guy can walk around the furnace with or he's carrying an iPad. And it says, you know, burner one, quarter turn right, burner two, eighth turn left. Uh -huh. The same thing. He can make them, you know, one after the other in series because the solution itself is still a parallel solution. Right. So, they, okay. So, I mean, obviously it's going to take more time and there's more manual, manual interaction there with that latter example you were giving. Right. But, but it's certainly it, not more manual than they would tune it without the certifier. Right. And it doesn't take that furnace whisperer technician to get that done. Right. Anybody As can opposed, read that sheet and, you know, make the adjustments that it tells them to make. Right. Because it sounds like with yours, even if you're doing the adjustments manually, let's say in your latter example, you're going to go out and you're going to make an adjustment to all 12 burners on your furnace and come back and see how that goes. Right. Uh, whereas if you're, you know, as you say, the, uh, the whack-a-mole furnace whisperer, you're, he's going to go out, adjust one, come back, see how it goes, go back out, adjust another one. So that, that, makes, that makes some sense. Okay. How about installation of this thing? You, men you mentioned data cables and things of that sort. How complicated is this thing to, to install and how much time? Sure. So starting with the first tier of customer that we're trying to talk about here, you know, if there is an existing furnace, if it has the panel that we built for this customer, if they have these bleed valves with actuators on them talking to the PLC today, if we were to walk into that facility, we would have a box that's literally plug and play. It needs power, it needs data, and then your HMI has a green go button on it. So it's something that we would pre-configure because we'd understand the tags inside of the PLC, how to communicate to all the valves. It would, it would actually be that simple. If it was uh, built by somebody else or it was an older panel or we didn't know, the, you know how the PLC worked, it would probably take some time for us to understand it from the controls perspective so that we could get all of the tags coded properly. But that's not any time where the customer is not running. They're still running. We're just in the background, just reading some PLC information. And then finally, if this is a customer that wants to add that equipment, if they're looking to upgrade, if the equipment's older, or maybe they're you know, a class five today, but they really want to be class three or maybe even class two, we would probably suggest with or without certifier to upgrade to those bleed valves per burner. And we think we can get better control with that. Yeah. And in that case, maybe uh, the customer has to shut down the furnace for a week while we do the installation. And then once it's installed again, it would be really that simple as a plug and play device with a data cable. Okay. All right. Yeah. We'll return in just a moment to hear about how you might adapt the system to work at your plant. But first, we want to see you in Pittsburgh this October 2022. Heat Treat Bootcamp is a great opportunity for new hires and old hires who want a refresher on how the North American heat treat industry works. We're talking the main players, products, processes, markets, and materials in the North American heat treat market. That is, who are the main equipment and service suppliers? How do they interact? What products are they selling? What are the most popular processes in heat treat? What are the markets that heat treat is most important to? And what materials are most often heat treated? Yes, it's comprehensive, but it is not overly technical. When you go to heattreattoday.com forward slash bootcamp, you'll see that this basic training will prepare you to walk and talk the industry and do your job well, whether you're just starting, moving into a new position in the industry, or simply needing a refresher. Register for the three-day training in Pittsburgh at www.heatreattoday.com forward slash bootcamp. 
Now back to the episode. Justin, I've got a question for you now. I can imagine that some of the viewers, listeners are wondering, yeah, I've got a combustion furnace. I'd like to, I'd like to do this. Does it make sense for my furnace? Are there any systems out there that you can think of any, any furnaces with combustion where the certifier would not make sense? I mean, are there any, any applications or anything along that line? Honestly, I think that if you need to comply or certify your furnace to any uniformity standard, the certifier could definitely help. Um, it, uh, you know, as Ben stated, uh, <clears throat> there's different tiers of the product and how it would actually be from the customer experience from an au- totally automated state to a more manual, uh, more of like a certifier as the assistant to, yeah. to the person performing the tuning. But there are no configurations. I mean, step fire, pulse fire, um, excess air modulated, everything under the sun, the certifier can help solve those problems for them. So, so it could be no, no industry, for example, uh, I assume aluminum industry, steel industry, nitrate <clears throat> industry, generally speaking, no problem, no problem firing into radiant tubes. No, no problem there. Right? <clears throat> yeah, we would. So, I mean, obviously we're at the beginning of the launch of this product. Uh, so where we've focused on is direct fired heat treat furnaces and forge furnaces. Uh, okay. And we're looking to branch out into other things. We've even had discussions internally of uh, using this on resistive heaters for electric because we know we oh. know the green, the green wave is coming, right? So, yeah, uh, yeah. so uh, the product itself has been, I think, stated pretty well. The algorithm has no idea that it's even a furnace. Uh, it can right. be applied to pretty much everything. So I think this is going to be one of those products where we made it for this. We, we do this all the time with our burners. We, we made it for this. And then we find all these other ancillary uses for it uh, because yeah. it's so it's such a revolutionary kind of idea. Right. Yeah. I, as you were talking, I was thinking to myself, yeah, you know, if you if you've designed it so far for um, direct fired to a certain extent, radiant tube applications might add a little a, a little more complexity to it because you've got you know, heat transfer rates through, through a tube, but I suppose still it's going to, it's still going to do the job, right? Cause it, it doesn't know. It doesn't yeah, know. Yep. There's a, there's a thermocouple having a response and then there's this burner input, yeah. right? So it's the way the heat transfer happens is going to change, but uh, you know, you're going to have to modulate the radiant tube to get where you need to go. So. All right. So it's a heat, heat source agnostic. We'll call it. How about that? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Okay. Um, how about uh, a couple more questions? Uh, how about the, does this, first off, does the system have any type of reporting? I guess you did say, Ben, you said that when you, when you first, after you do the first uh, test, right, and establish the response matrix, there is some sort of a report, I assume, of when you want to tune it. But what is what is the reporting? What's it look like? What are, what are people going to get from this thing? And the I guess I want to ask about the platform that it's on. I guess it's just PLC based, right? Yeah. So well, the tuning is done through the PLC because it's communicating with those actuated bleed belts. Um, the actual box itself, uh, it's essentially a computer, so it's running our own custom code and it's executing that to communicate with the PLC. And we've tried very hard to make it PLC agnostic, so it can communicate with the most common things we see in the market today communicate over common protocols like Modbus. It can communicate with Rockwell's Ethernet IP or with Siemens S7. 
So that is uh, essentially just a computer. It's a Linux box that can talk all of those languages at once. So it can just plug and play with the PLC. The reporting we've tried to make uh, look similar to what people are used to. So people are used to looking at chart recorders to see temperature. So we have essentially you know, a, a more advanced display of live data, chart recording for temperatures, for valves, so that you can see exactly where it is with historical data easily available at, the, at a click and drag. So you can see where it was, where it is today. As far as an output of the report, we've also tried to make that, you know, look as uh, as much as possible like what people are used to seeing. So with the AMS certification, uh, there's guidelines about what data needs to be stored, what needs to be reported. Yeah. And while we're not doing the certification, that type of time stamped temperature by furnace ID, by who ran the test, all that information is, you know, generated in these reports every time that you do this uh, response matrix is training creation. And then every time that you solve that and do this tuning of the combustion system. Thank you. Okay. So a uh, question is this, uh, this system, cause I could see some people wondering about it. I mean, I do. So I'm hoping other people do. Is it cloud-based at all, or is it all basically it's on site, right? I mean, it's none of this is you're not it's entirely continuing. on site. Yeah. Yeah. So there's certainly the option. I know, some customers, although it's it's rare, but it is growing today, want their information to be more accessible than it is today. But if a customer doesn't want that, if they want everything restricted to the plant, if they want it restricted off of the plant network and even just on the box itself, we can do that as well. So today, we don't have cloud connectivity built into the base box. We wanted to make it simple. We wanted to yeah. make it easy for customer compliance. So it's an option. It's something that we can do, but it's not something that we wanted to pursue in the first release. Right, right. And you're avoiding a lot of uh, potential security, internet security, mm -hmm. cybersecurity issues with that. So, all right. So one more, I got a forward looking question for you. Justin, what do you think? You got the, you got this first one. I know you're just kicking it off. And by the way, I should mention, I'm sure by the time people listen to this, uh, the uh, AIST tech show will be over because it's scheduled for next week, which we're recording this on what, the 10th of May, and it's scheduled for the 17, 18, and 19, I think. Uh, but I know that you guys are giving a, paper, a presentation there, so perhaps we can reference that on this, on this podcast, give a link for it. Um, but I know you're just kind of just launching it. I don't know how exactly, how long, actually, when did you launch it? Is it just, has it been weeks, months, or a year? Uh, I think it's been about a month. Okay, all right, so it's relatively new. As I say, yeah. we're doing this on May 10th, so let's say April, late March, you, you're, you've launched this thing. Have you put any thought into the future? I mean, are you, do you have dreams and hopes? And if so, what might they be? Yeah, so uh, absolutely. We, we have some plans, some immediate plans. Uh, obviously, we've talked about the tiers and how we're going to keep pushing forward with making this uh, a product that is for all furnaces, for all direct fired furnaces to start <clears throat> with manual valves and automated valves. So we'll get to the tier one, two, three. And then uh, a big trend we're hearing as we're talking to customers is more geared towards predictive maintenance. Uh, obviously, we need to tune the furnace, uh, but the customers don't want you tuning the furnace every time they need to certify because that calls into question their parts from the last quarter or half year that they've been doing. So really, you tune once, and then you probably go a year, or hopefully on our furnaces, we go many, many years without drifting, right? But uh, so the, the box can also be used for some predictive maintenance. Use the thermocouple inputs that we have to measure the box shell temperature, see if the fiber is degrading, see if 
you're, you know, you're up for a reline, uh, see if your flows need to be readjusted. So there's a, more a predictive nature to the retuning process rather than a reactive nature. So that's really going to be the next step. And then we'll look forward to see if there's there's other type of uh, heating, like you said, radiant tubes or resistive heating. Uh, I think that's a little bit further in the future, uh, mostly because we're obviously a gas combustion company. So we're focusing on what we know first uh, and right. then we'll build out from there. Right, right. So you're saying some of that stuff that you're hoping for the future is not really even combustion related. You're going to be doing uh, condition of the of the furnace, like you said. Okay. Right. Like a furnace health monitor, because uh, we see okay. that as uh, I think everybody wants to know they're running that furnace pretty hard, uh, especially yeah. in like a forge environment, right? You're beating the beating the hearth pretty good. So to have an, a, you know, a one month out, hey, warning, hey, you know, you might need to, to shut down rather yeah. than a catastrophic failure. We've, we've gone into furnaces too much where there's been a hole in the roof or, uh, you know, because the, the fiber fell out and they just didn't know about it. Right. So right. trying to right. trying to help customers out before something like that happens. Yeah. Yeah. Now, right now, I know most of all, all of these, I believe, correct me if I'm wrong, almost all of the burners, the, the stuff you're currently doing are all hardwired. Correct. Is there any is there any thought about making them a wireless? Is that even a reasonable thing to think about or no? From from the burner standpoint or from the certifier standpoint? From well, from the certifier in the sense of control, like controlling and getting the data in and out. Maybe it's a silly question, but I I'm, I was just wondering. I mean, if right now you're hardwiring all this stuff. Is it? That's correct. Yeah, we're all uh, generally. I mean, that's currently the the way furnaces are configured are all hardwired to a local PLC. Right. Uh, we have. I think Ben could probably speak a little bit more about it. I think we've talked about uh, ways to wirelessly link devices uh, yeah. more as uh, diagnostic devices really not controlling them wire that you can't really control them wirelessly because I think the response time, but uh, diagnostic components could be, could be wireless. Okay. Okay. Right. And one of the first things that we did when the certifier was in pre-release was we were designing this box to essentially plug and be installed on that furnace. And we took a step back and we tried to consider, you know, who's going to be using this? How do they want to use it? What do their facilities look like? And, you know, a lot, a lot of people have multiple furnaces, you know, maybe, yeah, as little as two, but sometimes, you know, upwards of 20 furnaces. So maybe you don't want to install it permanently. Maybe you want to be able to move it around, or maybe if you have a plant-wide network and an intranet there, you can plug this in in your control tower and you can sit in an air-conditioned room with one certifier and talk to every furnace at once. Yeah. So that's something that we put into that release from a month ago. So the release certifier can communicate with all of your plant network at once if you have the plant network or just with that one furnace, if you want to plug it into just that one isolated furnace. Yeah. So we should be able to, you know, essentially, you know, feels wirelessly, you can communicate to whatever's on the network at once. Yeah, yeah, good stuff, good stuff. All right, well, let's assume, let's assume we've wet the appetite of, uh, <laughs> or peaked the interest of people. Uh, Justin, where, where might people go to get some additional information? And feel free to give as much, you know, of your personal information, your, you know, your home address and your personal phone <laughs> yeah. number and all that good stuff. <laughs> yeah, for sure. So for some more information, uh, our website is combustion.thievesgroup.com. And obviously thieves is spelled like my shirt, F-I-V-E-S group.com. Uh, uh, if you need more direct information, you can contact me, uh, justin.zick at thievesgroup.com. The last name is spelled D-Z-I-K. 
the D is silent. So, uh, and obviously, like you said already, uh, we'll be at AIS Tech next week. Probably you'll elapse this uh, video podcast, but then we'll also be presenting, uh, I'll be presenting at the IFC uh, International Forge Masters uh, Congress in June. And uh, with, I think, future engagements at uh, Furnaces North America. So we'll, it's kind of on our, our roadshow this, this year. So. Great. Well, you got a lot to talk about. And like I said, I mean, I don't know about you. I'm sure I, I know the answer to this question, but I'm going to ask it anyhow. I don't, I don't think anybody else has anything like this, for best I know. I mean, yeah. There's if they not, did, if not, they did, you'd I've be seen. foolish to say so. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but but I haven't seen it. I don't know. I don't. Maybe they are. Maybe I'm going to catch catch grief for for saying that. But it's uh, it's an interesting interesting new product, and I wish you guys well. I hope it hope you're very successful. Thank Thanks. you. Good to have you with us, guys. Thanks very much for joining us. Thanks for having Thanks. us. We hope you enjoyed listening to today's episode with Justin Zeke and Ben Whitoff. Heat Treat Radio is on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, iHeartRadio, Podbean, and the website www.heattreattoday.com forward slash radio. If you'd like to get in contact with either of them, head over to combustion.thievesgroup.com or email Justin at justinzeke, that's D-Z-I-K, at thievesgroup.com. You can also email me and I can put you in touch. My email is bethany at heattreattoday.com. Also, consider sharing a new or interesting idea that we can feature on a future Heat Treat Radio episode. Or if you'd like, think about sponsoring a future episode. Either way, you can let me know at bethany at heattreattoday.com. Heat Treat Today doesn't just publish podcasts. Get to know all the other resources Heat Treat Today has to offer. If you're enjoying the audio video format, check out Heat Treat TV. Want more technical content? Search our articles on nitriding, parts cleaning, hipping, brazing, stress relieving, and more. Or just want to hear one person's opinion on a heat treat related topic? We've got columns and op-eds as well. All this and more is on heattreattoday.com. Heat Treat Radio would like to thank Heat Treat Bootcamp for sponsoring this episode. Find out how to enroll in this basic training at www.heattreattoday.com forward slash bootcamp. This and every other episode of Heat Treat Radio is the sole property of Heat Treat Today and may not be reproduced in part or in whole without advanced written permission from Heat Treat Today. And I'm Bethany Leone. Thank you for listening. Mm-hmm.